Welcome to Glory Stories with Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn. Dr. Vaughn was one of the top eye surgeons in America and has traveled to many countries in the world preaching the Word of God. She also opened up an eye surgery center in Beijing, China, where she did free eye surgery on those in need. Dr. Vaughn will be sharing many of her personal experiences from God. In addition, you will hear of others that have known God in an intimate way and seen His miracle-working power. As you hear about how God has worked in the lives of others, our hope is that you will be changed forever. Get ready for God to heal you, deliver you, and transform your life as you sit back and enjoy these glory stories. Welcome to Glory Stories. We're going to be talking today about a man named Ron Martin. This was an episode in his life that happened not too long ago that was instructive to me. So I thought I'd share it with you. I think it'll be instructive to you too. His wife died on one day. And the very next day, he went to the doctor because he felt so bad. And the doctor, the doctor called his daughter and said, you're going to have to rush him to the hospital immediately. He is critically ill. So one day his wife dies, the next day he's critically ill. They take him to the hospital. They have to give him some infusions, uh, blood transfusions to get his body strong enough. And then they take him straight to the operating room and do surgery on him. Uh, when he gets out of surgery, he really, he's not conscious for the first couple of days. He doesn't know anything. And after that, he becomes, let's say, semi-conscious. And he was, he was seeing and hearing, and, and uh, lots of things were happening inside of him. He, he wasn't communicative to the nurses particularly or the people in the room with him, but things were happening in the supernatural with him. He said that, that Satan came and said to him, I'm here to take you. And immediately when Satan said that, Ron started repenting. He started repenting of everything he could think of. And so the minute he started repenting, the devil went away. And so he continued to repent. And, you know, after a while, the devil would come back again. And, and he, would, he would just keep repenting and repenting, which is what would <laughs> be a good idea for us to do that now instead of waiting till we're critically ill and going to die any minute. But that's what he was doing. Repent means that you're trying to remember the, the things that you've said and done that have been wrong and against what God would like, and you ask God to forgive you for those. That's what repentance means. It also means that you're going to make an about face and, and seek God instead of walking the way you've been walking. You turn around and you walk toward God instead. So it's a life-changing decision. So anyway, when, the, when, when Satan would come back to him, uh, he would, and he's always come to try to take Ron with him, but every time Ron would repent, the Satan would go away. But there was a red light over by Satan. And when the, as long as the red light was on, Ron knew that he could not go to heaven, that he was headed toward hell. There was a white light over on the other side. However, the white light was not on. And he knew the white light would have to come on before he would be able to go to heaven. So he was seeing angels as well as Satan. He was seeing angels. He was seeing visions of things like a, he was seeing a, a beautiful staircase going upward. And a woman was at the top of the staircase. He thought it might be a staircase to heaven. And he thought that might be his wife that had just died. And he wanted so much to go up there, but he couldn't go up there. And meanwhile, he was afraid. You know, in his mind, he was being threatened and, and he was about to drown. And he was, all kinds of weird things were happening, things flying and, you know, anyway. 
those things kept going on and on, and so it was a it was a battle. It was a it was a struggle between Satan and him wanting to get Ron and Ron wanting to repent so that he could go to heaven. And he kept, the Lord kept telling him, he said, there's one more thing. There's one more thing. And Ron would try to think of everything in his life that he could think of that he'd ever said or done. And he tried to repent even, you know, he would think all the years of all the things that he'd done. And, and, and the Lord would keep saying, but there's one more thing. And so he started back as far as he could remember in his childhood. And finally it occurred to him that his father had been an alcoholic abuser and a gambler and, you know, not, not that great of a father. Uh, later on, I asked, I asked Ron if he had ever said anything against his father. No. Had you ever done anything against your father? No. But you had thought wrong things about your father. Yes, he had. But we'll come, come back to that in a minute. But when... When he finally remembered his father and remember how he felt in his heart toward his father, even though he never said anything, he never did anything, he still had wrong thoughts, wrong feelings toward his father. He had reason to we, in the natural, but nonetheless, God doesn't want us to have wrong feelings and unforgiveness toward anybody for any reason. So when he realized that that was inside of his heart, he asked God to forgive him for having, for harboring those wrong feelings about his father he asked for forgiveness, and he forgave his father. His father was deceased, but he went on and, and forgave his father, washed all of that away. And as soon as he forgave his father and asked for forgiveness, the white light went on. Well, well that meant that he was, he, was, he was washed clean in the blood of Jesus and that he was able to go to heaven. But it really wasn't his time yet, and he came back to more consciousness and the people in the nurses and the doctors, you know, they had been they had been trying to get Ron to sleep, and he had he would not go to sleep no matter what. For 48 hours, he was talking out loud and seeing these things, and and the Satan was coming, and the stairways, and all of this stuff, and he just kept talking and talking to the, he was talking to the Lord. The Lord was talking to him, and, and so they they said to him. We gave you the strongest sleeping pills that we had, and we gave them to you repeatedly, and we still couldn't make you go to sleep. Why were you, why were you not able to go to sleep? He said, well, I couldn't go to sleep because the Lord was talking to me, and I didn't want to miss anything he was saying. Well, when Ron got well enough, I decided I really wanted to find out what, what had gone on in his life and then during that episode. So I sat down and talked with him when he was well enough. And he told me that when he was a boy, that he was taken to church. Uh, he didn't really care about going to church, but he did it because it pleased his mother and he wanted to please his mother. So he went to church. And, and it really didn't mean that much to him, but he did it to please her. Then later in life when he got married, he and his wife would go to church and they even had Bible studies in their home, although it was his wife that did most of the teaching. But in Ron's heart, in Ron's mind, in his thinking, he thought, you know, only... Only weak people need God, and he says, strong guys don't need God, and I'm a strong guy. He would drive race cars and stuff, and he felt like he was a macho strong God, that he didn't really need God. Well, that was a mistake, too, because that wasn't true. All of us need God. It doesn't matter who we are. And after this episode in his life, his comment was he found out that strong guys need God, too. 
So I ask you, one of the questions I ask, what would you tell your friends now that you've had this experience, what would you tell your friends? He said, well, I would tell them to do right, to, to follow God, to serve God, and to stop doing the things that they're doing, like drinking and smoking and chasing women, to stop doing all that stuff because that, God doesn't like that. And that's what he would advise them, to, to, to do the best you can, to serve God the best you can. Well, the thing that was interesting to me about this, lots of things, but the most important thing, I think, is that very often, especially if you're a Christian or you're a person that wants to do right, wants to please God, you'll try to, you know, monitor the things that you do and not do things that, that you know are wrong. You try to do things that you think would be pleasing to God. So, you know, you try, you try to control your actions and if you're really serious about God, you even try to control what you say. Uh, that's important. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And you have a choice in what you say. And if you say negative things about yourself or anyone else, those negative things are going to send you and others in a negative direction. If you say positive things, and by the way, the negative things open the door for Satan, the enemy, to come in. If you say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to get flu because everybody around me has flu. It's the flu season. I'm probably going to get flu. Well, if you open your mouth and you say that, the likelihood is you're going to get flu because you just open the door and let the, you'll let the enemy come in and give you what you just said. Where on the other hand, if you say positive things, the Word of God tells us to think on these things, what things are good and pure and things of good report. Think on those things. That's what we need to think about. Those are the things we need to say with our mouth, positive things. You say, you know, no, I'm not going to get the flu. No, I'm not. It's just not going to happen to me. And so you, if you believe that way in your heart and you speak that way with your mouth, then that's a, that gives the angels a chance to minister for you and help you. So you can either open the gates to hell with your mouth or you can open the positive gates with your mouth. But so it's your actions that count. It's your words that count. But the thing that's interesting about Ron, it was his thoughts that counted. It was his thoughts that counted. He hadn't done anything wrong toward his father. He hadn't said anything wrong toward his father, but he had wrong feelings, wrong thoughts toward his father. And he, he'd, never, he'd never forgiven his father for being, you know, kind of a rough, rough character as a father. And those thoughts were the things that were going to send him to hell, actually. Unforgiveness. Uh, that's the thing I want to focus on right now. Unforgiveness is something that a lot of people harbor in their hearts. And I'm asking you to analyze your heart, your, your thoughts, your feelings, and if there's any unforgiveness in there, you need to forgive that person, I, I, whatever they've done to you. And I know people do horrible things to one another, but no matter what they do to you, if you harbor unforgiveness, it hurts you. Doesn't hurt them, it hurts you. So you need to analyze what's inside of your heart and your mind, and if there's any unforgiveness, you need to forgive that person. Now, I'm going to show you why. This is a parable that Jesus taught, a story that he told. I'm going to read to you out of the Bible, and you'll see why. It makes it clear. 
This is Jesus talking. This is in the book of Matthew. I'm going to start reading out of the New Living Translation, and I'm going to start reading in Matthew 19, verse 23. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him about $10 million. He couldn't pay, so the king ordered that his wife, his children, and everything that he had be sold to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the king and begged him, Oh, sir, be patient with me. I'll pay it all. Then the king was filled with pity or compassion for him, and he released him, and he forgave him his debt. So the king forgave this man about $10 million debt. Boy, if, wouldn't you shout hallelujah if you had that happen to you? But anyway, the, then it says, when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him about $20. And he grabbed him by the throat, and he demanded instant payment, payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Please be patient, and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and jailed until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king, and they told him what had happened. When the king called in the man... He had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison or uh, it, King James says he delivered him to the tormentors. Other other versions, New American Standard says, to the torturers. The king delivered the, him to the torturers. King became angry, delivered him to the torturers until he had paid every penny. Well, you can, I mean, nobody in his family is ever going to be able to pay $10 million. So the man, it means the man would be tormented the rest of his life. That's what my heavenly father will do to you. Did you hear that? That's what my Heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive the, your brothers, your sisters, or your, the offenders from your heart. If you f refuse to forgive them from your heart. So what it's really saying is it's like this. You, you think about yourself. And if you're honest, you're going to know that, that your life ha has had, maybe still does have, Lots of wrong things that you've done, wrong things that you've said, wrong things that you've thought for sure. And yet, if you ask God to forgive you of those, he's happy to forgive you in the name of Jesus. So he says, if I'm, if I'm willing to forgive you of all of those things, how can you not turn around and forgive somebody that does something to you? Somebody that says something wrong, does something wrong, you know, even your father beat you when you were a child or what, whatever's happened. No matter how wrong it is that they've done to you, it, it's, it's no comparison to me forgiving all your sins. I'm willing to forgive your huge sins. Now I want you to be willing to forgive the, the smaller sins of someone else toward you. And 
you know, there's a man named William Branham, and an angel worked with him a lot. I'll tell you about him in a, in a future glory story. But an in, the angel told him a very interesting thing one day that, that really stuck with me. He said this. He said, your thoughts are louder in heaven than your words are on earth. Did you hear that? Your thoughts are louder in heaven than your words are on earth. In other words, they, they, you know, God knows everything you're thinking. Whether you say it or whether you don't say it, he knows everything you're thinking. And if you have wrong thoughts, to him that's just as bad as doing something wrong or saying something wrong. You understand that? So we need to, as Christians especially, but even as a human being, you need to watch what gets harbored in your heart, the thoughts that you might be harboring in your heart. And you need to ask God to forgive you for harboring the wrong thoughts, the wrong feelings. Because his feeling toward us is a feeling of love, a feeling of forgiveness if we ask it. And we should be willing to forgive anybody on this earth for anything that they've done to us. Now, here's, a, here's something that you all know probably. It's the, I don't, it's in Matthew. I tell you what, I'm not going to look it up, but this is what Jesus said. He taught us to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our debts or our trespasses or our sins as we forgive those who sin or trespass against us. Now, did you hear that? Millions of people pray this prayer, the Lord's Prayer that he taught us to pray. But what the prayer has just said to us is we're, we're telling God, every time we pray this prayer, we're telling God, we want you to forgive us the way that we're forgiving other people. Ah! So if you're not forgiving other people, like Ron was not forgiving his father, if you're not forgiving other people, then you will not be forgiven. And if you come before the throne of God and you're not forgiven, your sins are not washed away, you are, go you are headed to hell for eternity because God is a holy God and he will not permit sin in heaven. He will not permit it. He's a holy God. I I've explained it in the past and, and I like to explain it again because it's a, it's a simple visual concept, but it, it, you know, it, it brings the message across. In fact, I explained it this way to a room full of 53 prostitutes in Africa not long ago. Let me explain it to you. It's as if there was a blackboard in heaven, and it has your name written on the top of the blackboard. And everything you ever did wrong is written on this blackboard. Did you hear me? Everything you ever did wrong is written on the blackboard. Everything you ever said wrong is written on the blackboard. And also everything you ever thought wrong is on the blackboard. And you know, Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, it's just like you've already done the, committed the act with her. So see, the thoughts, he's talking about the thoughts. 
And the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's, it's able to discern the thoughts and intentions of your heart. So if your intentions are wrong, it's the same as doing it. If you, if you feel like killing somebody seriously, it's just like you've already done it as far as God's concerned because those are the thoughts and intentions of your heart. So anyway, all of these things, God records all of these things that you've done, things that you've said and things that you've thought, and they're all on this blackboard in heaven. I'm, there's not really a blackboard, but it's like a blackboard, okay? So if you, if you come before God and you haven't gotten those forgiven, then God will look at your blackboard and he'll say, look at, my goodness, all of that sin that is, is in your life. He said, I, my desire is that you would not perish. I don't want anybody to perish. I don't want anybody to go to hell. But look how you've lived your life. I can't permit you to come in heaven like this. So you're ha you have to go to hell. So, you know, Satan comes and takes him to hell. Whereas if, if you, if you, let's talk about you. If you will ask God to forgive you, he is if you will confess your sin, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if you ask him to forgive you, it's like an angel will dip a cloth in the blood of Jesus and she will erase every wrong thing that you've ever done, said, or thought. And now, if you came in that state before the throne of God, he would look at your blackboard and he'd say, well, I don't see anything at all that you've done wrong. So I'm very happy with your life. Come on in here and, and, and take your place in heaven, I'm so happy to have you here. I have a mansion ready for you. I've been making it for you all these years. Come into the presence of the Lord. Come into the joy of the Lord. So this lifetime is, we have a lot of choices in our lifetime. But there's not any choice that's more important than this choice. And that is to ask God to forgive you, to repent to turn, make an about face and start serving God instead of serving the devil, which is what you do when you sin, you're serving the devil. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a story. This is a story about a woman who was a pastor's wife. I'm going to explain how, how the devil can get into your thoughts and affect your eternity. So this woman was a woman that knew God. She knew the word of God. She'd even taught the Word of God. She was baptized with the Holy Ghost. She was flowing in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. So she was a pastor's wife. She was about as much into God as a person can get into God. Well, one day, uh, an, an imp from hell, a demon spirit, came and, and whispered in her ear and said, You know, you are a beautiful woman. And you would have fame and you would, you would be wealthy if you just get out of this church situation in this little limited place and go out into the world and you'd become famous. You'd be rich. You'd be famous. She says, get thee behind me, Satan. Go away. Well, the, the spirit had to leave because in the name of Jesus, they have to do whatever you tell them to. She said, in the name of Jesus, you leave, leave me. So it left. But, you know, sometimes these demon spirits, they'll come back again and try again. They don't give up easily. So it came back to her again and it said, same thing. You know, you are a beautiful woman. And if you'd leave this little bitty church setting that you're in 
and you'd get yourself out and let people see how beautiful you are. You would have fame and you would have wealth and you would be so, so, you know, people would just revere you so much because of your beauty. Well, she loved to hear that. I mean, what woman doesn't want to know their beautiful woman? But she knew that that was the enemy. So she said, you leave me in the name of Jesus, you leave me. So it left again. Well, a little while later, the thing came back again. I'm warning you, these things can come back. And every time they try to come back, you need to do the same thing and cast them away in the name of Jesus. And I suggest that you cast them away and tell them never to come back again. They'll have to use some other tactic on you because that one can't come back again if you'll speak to them like that. But she didn't. So it came back again. Same thing. You're such a beautiful woman. You need to leave. So she started entertaining that thought. See? She liked that thought. I mean, that was, that, that was a pleasant thought to her that she was a beautiful woman. She started entertaining. And Jesus was teaching Kenneth Hagin about demonic when this happened. And when... And so Jesus showed him that when she starts entertaining that thought, a black dot went into her mind. I'm showing you the importance of your thoughts. A black dot went into her mind, which means the demonic forces had gotten into her mind. She became obsessed with this. She would think about it all the time. I've got to get out of here because, you know, I can have fame and I can be beautiful. They can see how beautiful I am in the world. And it's, it's, she obsessed about this. Do you see how that can happen? As she obsessed about it, she decided that she was going to go on and take action. She left her husband, who was the pastor of the church. She went out into the world. She starts taking up with one man after another, after another. And pretty soon, you know, she, she gets so far away from God that finally she says, I don't even want Jesus anymore. I don't want you, Jesus, anymore. And when she said that, that black spot went from her mind down into her heart. Once it went into her heart, then the demon, the, uh, the higher level demonic forces of this earth had control of her, had control of her. In other words, it was, it was really too late for her. It was too late because the word of God says if, if, you've, if you've been saved and you've been trained in the word, you know the word, and you've, been, you've tasted of Jesus, and you know the Holy Spirit, and you've functioned in the gifts of the Spirit. And if, if you turn your back on Jesus at that point, it would be like having to crucify Jesus all over again, which won't be done. It won't be done. So she was lost. She was lost forever. So Hagen says, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he, he, she said, you want me to pray for the lady? He said, no, it's too late for her. She's turned her back on Jesus. But he said, what I do want you to do is to bind that demonic force that's using the woman against her former husband, who's the pastor. I want you to bind that demonic force so that that can't influence her husband anymore in his church and in the work he's trying to build. So Hagen took authority over the demonic force and cut that off so the husband wouldn't be influenced from the demon that was working through the woman. Well, I hope this has been understandable to you, what I've explained. I've tried to tell you how critical your thinking is and that these thoughts that are against the Lord, the thoughts against the will of God for your life, you have to take control out over those and cast those away from you. I, they 
you have to have experienced this, whether you know you have or not, you have to have experienced this because demonic forces are everywhere trying to influence you to do bad, trying to influence you to drink, trying to influence you to go sleep with this woman, sleep with that man that's not your husband or your wife. They're trying to influence you and you cannot give in to that, not even in your mind, not in any way, shape or form. Bind it, cast it away from you in the name of the Lord Jesus. You have to use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or it's not of any effect. Cast it away from you, be rid of it, and keep your mind and your heart clean and pure and holy so that when the time comes and you do face the, the Lord, that he will see that you have kept yourself clean and do this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you'll be happy someday. You'll be in heaven. We'll all be together again. We'll have peace forever. Hallelujah. We hope that you enjoyed these stories of the glory of God. We believe that each story we tell will help build your faith and help to bring a miracle into your life. For more information about this program and Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn, visit her website at godsinstrument.com, her YouTube channel at Glory Stories Now, or write her at Elizabeth Vaughn Ministries Incorporated, P.O. Box 454, Argyle, Texas 76226, USA.